Welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. Welcome and good morning. Glad to have you all here worshiping with us this morning. Let's stand after that rousing peace and greet one another with the peace and love of Jesus Christ. Once again, welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church at 1627 Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. This is the 94th year of radio ministry at Grace Covenant, and today's broadcast is number 4,858. The Reverend Dr. Robert Holm Lippert is our pastor. This morning's sermon, entitled, Before You Were Born, will be delivered by Reverend Dr. Holm Lippert. Assisting in the service today are Christopher Martin, our Director of Music and Organist, the Chancel Choir, and Christopher Tweel, our Associate Pastor for Christian Education. Our church is handicapped accessible with an elevator, wheelchairs, hearing assistance, and large print bulletins and hymnals. Child care is provided for infants, toddlers, and kindergartners. Worship kits are available for older children at the entrance to the sanctuary. Our opening hymn is From All That Dwell Below the Skies, which is number 33 in the hymn book.
Friends, please join with me together as we have our prayer of confession. Holy God, we read in Ephesians that we were chosen by God before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before God in love. Such a privilege, such a responsibility. God chose us to be holy and blameless. We do try, but being holy all the time is not easy. Forgive us, Lord, when we fail. We read that we are destined for adoption as Christ's children through Jesus Christ. Such a privilege, such a responsibility. Our identity as members of God's family should be apparent to others. That means that being recognizable as Christians through our words and deeds. Forgive us, Lord, when we fail. The burden of living up to such an inheritance has been taken off our shoulders because of the grace which has been lavished upon us. For God also promised that in Jesus we have been forgiven according to the riches of his grace. May we always be aware of the tremendous privilege which has been bestowed upon us by you, God. And may our response to such blessing be to live as graceful and joyful followers of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. And we know from singing and from the word of God and from the blessings of the Holy Spirit that God's mercies are eternal. And that the truth that is also eternal rings out that our sins have been forgiven by the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Alleluia. Amen. So I'll, uh, Christine is going to come down as a, as a representative of the Christian Education Committee, and I'll ask all of our teachers, whether you're going to sub or teach, or whether you're just teaching art once a month, come on up, uh, adults and children teachers, come on up and, and have, have a blessing uh, placed over you in prayer. And as we're making our way forward, I want to say something to my young friends, who I know, Cecilia and... Uh, Amara and who else? Who else? Uh, uh, Maddie and Elena and oh yeah, okay, come on up, all you guys, come on up, everybody. I can't see her. Kate, come on up, because you guys are getting ready to come on up anyway for our return to chapel, right? Right? We're going to go back to chapel. We're going to go back to children's chapel during this. So here, uh, adults, teachers, if you kind of come here in the middle. And kids, you come around them on the outside. So switch, basically switch places from where we are now. Adults come in the middle. And all my younger friends come here. 
Okay, good. Younger friends, can we all hold hands around the edge? That's okay. We know they're here. Okay. Whoa, whoa. Okay. All right. Awesome. And so we're going to have a prayer because these folks are going to teach kids and adults for this coming year. And isn't that wonderful? We're excited about that. And so I want you guys to help me pray over them, okay? All right, you ready? All right, let's close our eyes. Take a deep breath. Thank you, God, for these people who are going to teach us all kinds of things this year. Give them your spirit and strength every day. Thank you, God, for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. And thank you, each and every one of you. And uh, these people, they commit their lives and, and some of their time, a lot of their time. Uh, for instance, today, we're going to go right back into it and have lunch and a little bit of teacher training. So thank you to all these folks who, who are doing this this year. And my young friends, we can go to Children's Chapel. Yay! <laughs> scripture, some just remarkable passages that we're going to get to later on. But the truth is, if you know anything about Jeremiah, he's this prophet of God, this preacher, uh, who preached for 40 years to the Israelites as well as surrounding nations. And during his time, it was uh, incredible amounts of turmoil. The Babylonian Empire grew into great strength, overtaking Assyrians, Egyptians. Jerusalem was attacked three times, ultimately in 587. The city walls, the king's palace, and the temple itself destroyed. The Jewish people, once a centralized 
uh, group uh, now were, were foreigners in exile trying to find a home and remain faithful in, in this very new pluralism. It was a time of incredible, painful transition, probing theological questions about God, where's God and God's faithfulness. And again, this was Jeremiah's setting for ministry. But before he did anything, he was called. And his call story is what we consider today. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, Truly I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And then from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. There was a group of us out at Shalom Farms yesterday from Grace Covenant, a ministry a number of you I know are aware of. This church has supported for a few years. It's a farm that makes fresh local produce. And, and gets it to places in Richmond that don't have a grocery store, food deserts, and gets it there at, at a subsidized price. Well, the group of us were working under a canopy, canopy area where we are sorting sweet potatoes. <clears throat> and at one point during this time, an employee of Shalom Farms begins driving this very large, loud tractor in our work area back and forth, back and forth. This particular area was hard, dry, no vegetation. The tractor had a, a piece attached to it so that it could help break up this hard and dry dirt so that some new seeds for grass could go there and, and, and some straw covering could be laid over it. And I am sure one day that that grass will look wonderful and magnificent. But as I was reminded yesterday, long before you ever get new life, you got to work the soil. And if you have particularly hard soil with old roots, that process is difficult and dusty and loud. As I mentioned in the introduction to the readings from Jeremiah, the vast majority of Jeremiah's years of ministry were done during a time when the tractor was running and the hard soil being overturned. God says to Jeremiah in verse 10 of our scripture today, See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and pull down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. You can hear the agricultural imagery employed 
pluck up, plant. There's also imagery of war, destroy and overthrow, as well as development, pull down, build up. But one of the main images for Israel throughout the Old Testament is that of being a choice vine. So agricultural imagery is natural in God's word to make a point, and here it is in our passage, and it's in numerous spots all over Jeremiah. Here, God is declaring that Israel, as well as the surrounding nations, will be going through a renewal, soil renewal process. The old hardened roots everyone thought would just always be there are going to be plucked up. The dead branches pulled down. A little bit of water, some new seeds, that just isn't going to do. Hard soil means the tractor. Noise, dust, disruption, back and forth, back and forth, and for some time. In fact, Four of the six verses, uh, verbs that God gives Jeremiah are negative and point to this. Pluck up, pull down, destroy, overthrow. Eventually, Jeremiah will also take part in the final two verbs, build and plant. And he will. He will help plant a seed of the new covenant between God and the people. But, but the emphasis of his call, of his 40 years, is on the upheaval process. As uh, Old Testament theologian and Presbyterian Walter Brueggemann puts it, the book of Jeremiah and its main thrust concerns the end of beloved Jerusalem and the formation of a new beloved Jerusalem. And the end of Jerusalem, of Old Jerusalem, and the beginning of New Jerusalem, they both take place through soil-level disruption. Now, our times do not perfectly parallel Jeremiah's. We are not literally in exile in a foreign country. It's also hard to ignore the truth that a lot of soil has been and is being turned upside down around us and among us, and not just in the most immediate sense of these hurricanes ravaging this country. We can point to all kinds of signs of significant upheaval. And just a short span of of maybe even 40 years like Jeremiah's lifetime. As a church, perhaps we point to some of us what a typical Sunday looked like society-wide 40 years ago and what it looks like today. We we can point to profound religious affiliation swings uh, to, say, 1960, where the solid majority of the country was some form of Protestant, the next block Catholic, those two blocks made up near 90% or so, to today, where the leading categories uh, right are starting into that spiritual or none, no religion. We can point to the way we communicated 40 years ago to just 15 years ago to today. We can point to how quickly our our job markets, our arena of, of work, has shifted. We can point to the profound distrust, animosity, sometimes outright violence across political and social lines that has emerged poignantly in recent years. We can point to Richmond 40 years ago and Richmond today and look not at just all of the construction going on in different places and VCU and this and that, but consider if that construction isn't emblematic of lots of different soils being shifted around right now. I myself can point to Christian publications, magazines, emails, social media posts. How many of those offer articles and podcasts and advice to church leaders on preaching or leading on, quote, unprecedented times of unprecedented or tumultuous or great change? 
in the past 10 years, the uptick in this kind of article has been enormous. And of course, not only society-wide, church-wide, I'm a well aware. many of us in our individual and family lives are in a season where we're not just merely watering the vegetation and seeing a slow and steady growth. Some of us are, but, but some of us are, are, are gathered and it is a time of, of real soil turnover. It's messy. It's scary. And I imagine a hundred years from now, people will see far more clearly what all this overturned dirt was all about in our, in our families or the church, society. They're going to see, well, that was the kind of seed that really needed to be planted. And it, it was a new seed. It needed fresh soil. I imagine they'll all see it. But for now, many of us, the experience is mainly loud and difficult, and, and our vision is clouded by all of the stirred up dust. We give thanks, though, that we are not the first to step into times of uncertain soil. God is sending Jeremiah, really, into even rougher terrain than ours, and, and so we do. I think we turn rightly and ask, well, how did Jeremiah remain faithful and loving and strong and hopeful for 40 years? The quick answer is he actually went through a lot of angst and, and back and forth with God. And how, how did God prepare Jeremiah to diverse this kind of soil upturned reality? I mean, what does one need to have or know if one finds themselves situated in ever-shifting, overturning soil? When I was a toddler, little child... This was the blanket that I dragged everywhere. In the house, in the car, in the store, to the dinner table. I slept with it. I played under it. I kept warm with this blanket. I have shared about this blanket in another sermon about three years ago. And I mentioned how uh, on one corner of this blanket, it says, Made with love by Mommy. When I was still in her womb, she was making this. It was the first blanket she made by hand, no machine. It was a gift of love to me before I knew of love. It was a sign of the kind of love that holds and warms and knows me even before I I know myself. As I went and underwent significant life change in my first few years, as every single one of us does, teething and talking, learning and growing at such a rapid pace you can see the difference from week to week. That becomes security, an anchor, an assurance of being held amid all the constant change. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, God tells Jeremiah. Before God ever gets to the words about how difficult this is going to be, that's verse 10. Before you were born, I knew you. It's a no, and in the scripture is a a word that speaks to intimacy. And God continues in verse 5, and before you were born, I consecrated you. Consecrated is the verb form of the noun saint. I sainted you. I conferred upon you utter and total blessing and light, not because of anything you'd done or or not done, but simply because that is who I am as a God. Before Jeremiah was ever Jeremiah, he was wrapped in the multicolored mercy of God's love, named, known, sainted. 
And actually, Jeremiah is not Jeremiah is all of us. Paul, you heard, declares in Ephesians 1, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. So extravagant, so unmerited is God's love towards us that even before the foundation of the world, we have been wrapped in the blanket of God's abundant love and chosenness. That we really cannot fathom that kind of timeline or reality is really the point. That's how deep down the good soil of God goes and in which we are rooted. If we can't get our minds around it, maybe it's only our hearts occasionally that glimpse what this truth is all about. Maybe in times when parents give a blanket stitched in this kind of love. We are always, forever, held in the internal embrace of Jesus. Ephesians goes on to explain that we are not only called, we are called also holy. Holy being the adjective version of that word. Noun, saint. It's an unfortunate thing that typically nowadays we reserve the saint, word saint for someone who seems especially good to us. She is such a saint in the way she just gives of her time and her money and her energy. He is such a saint the way he sacrifices and loves and gives. But biblically speaking, though, the word saint is the word for all of us. Each of us has by grace. You do not earn your sainthood. You don't unearn your sainthood. Blessed holiness, that is what is conferred upon each of you before birth. Our sainthood has deep, eternal roots in the soil of God. Perhaps one of the great tragedies of our age is how many of us try Sometimes it's just unconsciously to work really hard and serve others and be nice and make waves, but not big waves, and and keep up with the house, the expectations, the rules, and all the rest. How many of us spend energy trying to keep up appearances that we might feel like we are finally good enough, or feel like maybe we do belong And it's a chasing after the wind, right? Because never do our actions or inactions ever get there. We don't ever accrue enough, uh, some kind of credential that every fiber of our being knows that we are loved and all of our frailty and brokenness just as we are for who we are in Christ Jesus. That knowledge of belongingness, that knowledge of chosenness, that knowledge is only ever a gift, a blanket. Knit before we were born that covers us in the car, in the house, at mealtime, at night. God starts Jeremiah's call process and our call process with an assurance about the good, eternally deep soil in which our lives are situated. You are beloved from all eternity. But God knows that it is the people who know themselves most rooted in healthy, eternal soil who can then most faithfully and boldly navigate the overturned topsoil they encounter in the few decades of their lives. Because people who know they are deeply loved do not navigate all of the overturned topsoil and dusty conditions from a place of fear and anxiety and worry about how this is surely going to concern us and consume me, they navigate from a place of rooted love because that is where they are being nourished. And indeed, as we have mentioned, Jeremiah is sent into the world 
where there's a lot of pluck upping and overturning happening. In fact, his preaching is to be part of that very effort. God puts it this way at the end of verse 5, speaking again of what God has done before Jeremiah was ever born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Appointed. Meaning, literally, given unto the nations, the, the, the ethne, the ethnicities, the, the many people groups. Before you were born, you were known, loved, sainted, and given to the peoples. And so, too, all of us. Those who find themselves in Christ are tethered to the words of Jesus. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, ethne, ethnicities, people groups. You are a light unto the world. We are a people given unto the nations. It's it's not really a choice. It's a reality in Jesus Christ. Before you were born, you were known, loved, sainted, and given. To be sure, once we arrive on the world scene with full awareness of our lives and our world, we often do not think ourselves up for whatever very specific way God calls each of us in our church to be given unto the nations. Then I said, ah, Lord God, uh, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. Jeremiah pushes back. We see this kind of resistance time and again in Scripture. People protest for the reasons they cannot do what God has for them. Isaiah, too sinful. Moses, I'm too deficient. I don't, I don't know how to speak in front of people. Sarah, I'm too old. I, I can't have a baby. Jeremiah, too young. It becomes clear, really, that this is the common response for people called by God. God, you cannot be calling me to this specific work right now in my family, my marriage, my workplace, in our society amid all this mess. To this kind of change in my life, our life, to this way with with being a a church with all the soil upheaval going on. Because look, I mean, look at me. Look at us. And God hears our protests. God certainly dialogues with Jeremiah and Moses and others as... They offer their protests and resist, but God also refuses to let the protests become paralyzing excuses that keep us bound in fear and timidity. Do not say, I am only a boy. Do not say, I I do not have the experience. Do not say, I am too old to really offer anything. Do not say, we don't have enough members, we don't have enough money. Do not say, I am too handicapped. Do not say, I went to the wrong school, I did not get into the right school for this. Do not say, I am just a sinner. If the Holy Spirit is nudging something, something terrifying, something difficult, something to do with walking faithfully amid this upturned terrain, and you really don't know how it's going to end, do not say the excuse. Even if the excuse has some real merit, because yes, like Jeremiah, maybe you are quite young, or you are actually getting up there in years, or you do lack money or whatever. I mean, implicitly, God seems to acknowledge that Jeremiah is, in fact, just a boy. But for God, what matters is not Jeremiah's sense of confidence. I'm sure that comes and goes. What matters is God's command that God will fulfill. Do not say, I'm only a boy. 
For you shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. In essence, God promises that that whether or not we remember to drag the blanket with us everywhere we go, the blanket covers us anyway. Do not fear, I am with you. Actually, if we listen more closely, we'll notice the promise is a bit better and scarier than that. Usually, in Scripture, God does make this wonderful assurance to be with us, to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here, God tells Jeremiah, for I, will, I am with you to deliver or rescue you. So here, God not only promises to be with Jeremiah, God also adds the specific assurance of rescue, which is wonderful. And so we realize that that then implies somewhat terrifyingly that Jeremiah will find himself in a place where he would need to be rescued. Things will get so legitimately bad or difficult that, that it will have to be God. How many of us want God to call us to such a givenness that, that, is, that, is, one of, that is one of such pain and difficulty? We are guaranteed... To wind up in a situation so far out of our control, it will have to be God and God alone who rescues us. How many churches want God to call them to to such a givenness that pushes them so far outside of their resources or, 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 or their control that God has to, God has to save, rescue, show up. truth is we are not walking by faith as individual followers of Jesus or or as a church if if, if in somewhere in our lives we are not stepping in faith in a a manner where where we very likely will need Jesus to rescue in a very specific way because the risks are great and we really don't know how the dust is settling. This again is why God starts off by telling Jeremiah about the blanket. For Jeremiah is called to an impossibly difficult situation where the world is being upturned and the people of God sent into exile, new homes in a foreign land. If Jeremiah is going to risk everything, he's got to be secure in the thing that is most important. If Jeremiah is going to navigate faithfully all of this overturned soil around him and maybe even in his life, he's got to know the settled soil in which he is surely in no matter what. If Jeremiah is going to speak hard truth that create and bring about insults and judgments and ridicule and push back, he must know himself deeply anchored. Indeed, the degree to which we know ourselves as loved and chosen by God is the degree to which we can and will be courageously faithful. The ones who know themselves most deeply forgiven by Jesus Christ are the ones who are the most forgiving. The ones whose identity is not in all that they do and can produce or they don't do, but is in simply their belovedness in God, they're actually the ones who confer most radically love upon the undeserving and the marginalized and the sinner. The ones who are deeply secure in God are the ones who risk most freely freely their lives, their whole selves. Indeed, Jesus' ministry, you may recall, did not begin with the immediate transformation of the world. It began with his baptism at which God the Father says, This is my son, the 
beloved, of whom I am well pleased. Rooted in the utter assurance of God's love, Jesus risks his entire life, offers entire life, and it was destroyed. His life lay fallow for three days, until from within the tomb located in a garden of all places, he emerged alive. The deeply rooted life, the deeply rooted church will offer itself entirely in love, no matter what happens. And the assurance of Jesus Christ is that what will ultimately emerge is resurrection life. Our culture, certainly the church, many of our individual lives I know are not in the midst of simply slow and steady change. It's more like a tractor breaking up old roots and layers, and there is noise, and there is hardship, and there is a lot of dust, and there's not a lot of immediate evidence of precisely what seeds are being planted and what growth and beauty will be known. These, however are the times given to us. And each of us is born into these times, and upon arrival find that we are already named and known, consecrated and chosen. More than that, we are also given unto the nations. This is the soil in which we are planted. This is the blanket that covers us all of our days. This is the good news that we have in Jesus Christ Receive it, trust it, and then step in great courage. Amen. In response to God's word, let us stand together and sing, Here I am, Lord. You are listening to the live broadcast of a worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. You have just heard this morning's sermon entitled, Before You Were Born, which was delivered by Reverend Dr. Robert Holm Lippert. The congregation will now join in singing, Here I Am, Lord, which is number 525 in the Presbyterian hymnal.
Let us remain standing as we confess together what it is that we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. We are going to go to our God for a time of prayer, for certainly uh, this nation and this world have a great need upon us as, as these hurricanes continue to move, even at this very moment. And so we will be lifting that in prayer. As well, some of you have likely read that uh, there will be some kind of rally outside Lee Monument next Saturday, and, and we don't really know what will or won't come of that. Uh, we're, we're remaining in, in touch with the police, who, who seem to have a very good game plan, and for that I'm grateful. But I was talking with uh, our, our next-door neighbors, the Community Church of God in Christ, and their pastor, Dr. Wright, and, and he said, well, what, one of the things we're doing is we're just going to pray more this week, and, and as a membership, we're going to be praying Psalm 91 uh, a little bit more this week and, and, and really letting that be impressed upon our hearts. And, and he invited us to pray Psalm 91 too and, and, and join across the, the Allen and Park intersection there. And so you will hear in this prayers of the people towards the end that we will in fact join them in lifting up a portion of, of Psalm 91 and letting that uh, be heard here in our time of worship. Let us go to our Lord. Our God of all creation and recreation, we come to you this morning feeling acutely how small we are in the face of great challenge and tragedy. Once again, we see what an illusion any security outside of you is. And so we come and we lay our hearts bare, we lay the situations and people of this world before you, trusting you alone have the power to save and redeem. We lift to you those who this very moment are facing the full weight of Hurricane Irma. We pray that you would protect and preserve their lives. Give your peace and your assurance to those who have left their home and anxiously wonder to what they will return We pray that you sustain your church, both here and and there, to be a beacon of light and generosity and hope. We pray specifically over family members and friends, former interns of this church, Linda and Rex. We pray specifically for names of loved ones who we know are there and ask your every measure of protection and sustenance. We pray, too, for our government, for Congress, President Trump, for the different relief organizations, the military, that whatever coordinated efforts come together truly do meet the overwhelming need 
of a people ravaged. We lift to you this very moment those who face the full weight of the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey, as well as those in Mexico recovering from the worst earthquake they have known in a hundred years. Holy Spirit, pour out upon the people daily strength for the task ahead. Provide in abundance the necessary water and food and space to rest. Keep at bay disease and death. And hold especially those in your love who have already known a death in their family or a great pain from these events. We lift to you all of us who look ahead and see Hurricane Jose and perhaps others on the horizon and wonder fearfully what will happen. With a word you stilled the raging seas and winds and we ask that with a word you would sway these waters from bringing any further harm. Even as we pray for these immediate and pressing realities, we are also mindful that we gather on the eve September 11th and 16 years ago, we also lifted fervent and pained prayers of healing and deliverance. Today we pray for those whose lives were forever altered that day. Grant comfort to all who continue to grieve, most especially around this particular anniversary. Strengthen those who still struggle with questions that remain unanswered. You who are our Prince of Peace, bring your peace and provision upon this land and every land, thwarting time and again any efforts of terrorism, violence, or nuclear strike. Let your justice prevail. And guard our hearts, lest the spirit of vengeance and judgmentalism find a foothold within. As a church, We ask that you'd keep us mindful of those profound images of unity and sacrifice that day. We think in particular of firefighters and police officers, office workers, ordinary citizens of every stripe. And we ask that your spirit would fill us with that same sacrificial spirit of love. Not only as we respond in the immediate aftermath of great disaster, but also as we respond in the coming months and years to neighbors of every ethnicity. For indeed, we were born into this world already named, loved, consecrated, and given unto the nations. Having named our petitions before you, we now settle into a listening prayer. And we hear from your word a response. Your response in Psalm 91. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Those who love me I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life I will satisfy them and show them my salvation.
Lord, we give thanks for your abiding faithfulness and assurance. Hear now our final prayer, the one you taught us when we gather, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In response to God's goodness, God's eternally rooted grace, we are a given people. One way the givenness finds expression is the way we steward our financial resources. And and you are invited to discern how God is calling you to give in, in this time of worship as the offering plates are, are passed along. You also have communication cards, green ones when you're in your bulletin. Uh, do let us know uh, that you're here. Let us know if we can be praying or, or giving thanks alongside you in this season of life. And, and if you want any kind of follow-up on one of our church ministries, you can indicate that there. As well, if you want to RSVP for an upcoming event, you can do that. I mentioned uh, the the rally that is likely this coming Saturday. Well, we have some small groups meeting this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Details are in your bulletin. And if you'd like to join in one of those and just offer your voice about your hopes for what happens and how the church can be faithful in this time, please do. RSVP, you can even RSVP on your green communication card for one of those three offerings. You're invited now to give as you're led.
For the past hour, you have been listening to the worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. Please join us again next Sunday through our radio ministry or in our sanctuary at 1627 Monument Avenue. You're also welcome to join us each Wednesday evening for our Wednesday night supper at 6 p.m., which is followed by a program. We resume those suppers this coming Wednesday, September the 13th, 6 p.m. Your announcer today has been John Harris, and the engineers were Cameron Baird and Reagan McCullough. This service streams live and can be accessed through the church's website, which is grace-covenant.org. We now return you to Christian Talk Radio on WLES, 590 AM and 107.7 FM.
Planning Committee for next year for, for our future leadership. Uh, please begin filling these out and placing them in the boxes outside the social room or in the glass office if you have recommendations about uh, the coming leadership. And we have, as always, a, a time of fellowship immediately after the service. It is a gorgeous Sunday, so we will be outside on the terrace and hope to see you there in just a moment. We also recognize that for all the beauty of this day, we step into times where the soil is being overturned. Whether it's partially our own doing, or it's happening for unexplained reasons, or it needs to happen. It's happening. And today the Word of God has reminded us, reminded us of our deep-rootedness amidst all of that. We are born into this world, known, named, loved, consecrated, and given unto the nations. In that deep-rooted, unwavering assurance, step boldly. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of you this day and always. Amen.